Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. The excitement of high yields this fall is perhaps somewhat superficial when farmers start thinking about purchasing inputs such as fertilizer, seed, crop protection for next year. Because of a number of factors, we've seen dramatic increases in these costs. In this podcast, we want to uncover how much prices have risen and if farmers can afford to plant next spring. To help us, we've asked Barry Ward to join us. He tracks prices and cost of production closely throughout the year. So can you introduce yourself, Barry? Yeah, hi, Amanda. It's good to be with you. Um, my name is Barry Ward, and I'm uh, with the College of Food, Ag, and Environmental Sciences, uh, leader of production business management, and also the uh, director of our OSU income tax schools. Well, thanks for joining us, Barry. And I guess to start off, how much have prices risen? Where are we seeing the most increase in prices? <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is not going to be a real fun message to uh, relay, I don't think, for most people. Um, and I, I'm sure that, well, you guys, along with uh, many of our listeners, are, are very aware of what's going on with, uh, with costs, higher prices almost across the board for uh, looking forward into 2022 crop production year. Um, we can start with uh, energy. That's probably the one that uh, most people are, are aware of just right up front because we have to buy fuel for our vehicles and we know what's, what's going on kind of on a daily basis. But we're expecting this next year prices and costs to go move higher. Uh, natural gas prices uh, kind of filter through to the fertilizer market and we'll talk about all the fertilizer cost increases in just a second, but we talk about diesel prices. Farmers use diesel directly. You know, we're we're looking at uh, this price continuing to move higher. You know, here just uh, two or three weeks ago, we were plugging in about two seventy a gallon for diesel for farm usage, and and now that price is going to move closer to three dollars as we start to plug in all of these numbers for our our crop budgets for next year. Um, Drying costs, you know, farmers have to buy propane most of the time to uh, to dry their corn crop. And uh, we're looking at that being at least 50% higher moving into 2022. Uh, now, these prices, of course, can fluctuate and move lower, but they can also move higher. It, it, there's a lot of uncertainty right now in the energy markets, but that's what we're establishing right now in terms of some of these energy costs. So, those are higher. Um, we've got seed costs that are likely going to be higher, you know, somewhere around 5%, maybe even higher for newer genetics. Crop chemical costs, and this is something that we've had several discussions, even amongst uh, the three of us and, and many others. You know, This is a moving target as well. As of about a month ago, I was, we were plugging in about 25% higher crop protection costs into our corn, soybean, and wheat budgets. And now we're, we're thinking more along the lines of 50% higher or more. Um, fertilizer prices, this is, uh, this is the market that really has got a lot of producers concerned, not only from the higher price standpoint, but also the availability standpoint. And we're looking at uh, nitrogen products uh, at least at least 100% higher, I can safely say at this point, both uh, 28% and 
in nitrogen or uh, in hydrous ammonia. Uh, MAP uh, closer to 90% higher compared to where we were last year and what we're plugging in for this next year's uh, budgets and potash about 133% higher as of now. So these products, uh, this is a big chunk. This is a big cost increase uh, that we're looking at in terms of products. And that doesn't even get into uh, the possibility of higher land rents, which many producers are going to face. So a lot of things to consider and concern ourselves with, I guess. Yeah, some of the increases we're seeing talked about are, I mean, just insane to think about. I know there's a lot of causes, but what are some of the primary reasons we're seeing this big jump in prices? Well, we, we look at uh, some of these factors, some of the supply and demand fundamentals are the same across each of these products, while some of them are a little bit different. You know, we look at energy and uh, some of this just has to do with uh, kind of coming out of the COVID uh, pandemic and really seeing economies heat up pretty quickly. Um, some of this has to do with uh, also just kind of bottlenecks that we're seeing in the supply chain. And we're, we're looking at shipping issues, labor issues, all of these things that are affecting most supply chains. So energy, that's first. And fertilizer, you know, we look at uh, what typically happens when we see higher crop prices and higher profitability margins that producers want to, well, they're, they're certainly not going to skimp on fertilizer purchases. And in most cases, we see increases in fertilizer demand globally, and we have seen that. Uh, so this demand side is certainly a, a factor on the fertilizer uh, markets uh, prices. There's also a lot of supply issues on the fertilizer side. Uh, high natural gas prices, again, going back to energy, and uh, so we're seeing that as being an issue. Some of these fertilizer manufacturers, they have seen their margins shrink. So they've cut back a little bit on their production. We also have shipping issues. Shipping costs have really increased dramatically. And then also just the bottlenecks at ports. Uh, we do import quite a bit of nitrogen fertilizer and a fair amount of our potash. Uh, Hurricane Ida, that, that caused some problems at one of our main import export points. Uh, so there's some delayed, even more delays there. And uh, it caused some uh, things to go offline for a while. Uh, China, uh, that's, they've halted exports uh, of their phosphate fertilizers out of China until summer of next year, as we understand it at this point. And then there's some countervailing duties that have sprung up recently on phosphor on uh, yeah, phosphate fertilizers uh, in particular, those that are coming out of Russia and Morocco, those were uh, cases that were brought and uh, mainly due to anti-dumping issues. Uh, the, these two countries uh, were considered to be dumping products. So we have these countervailing duties on uh, these two countries, and it looks like we're going to have another one in place, another countervailing duty on two more countries uh, relating to uh, liquid nitrogen. So there's a number of factors. It's kind of a, a perfect storm right now. And if that were to come into place, you know, that, that this countervailing duty on uh, Russia and Trinidad and Tobago, that would, I think, even increase the pressure more on fertilizer price. So nothing really of good news there, I guess. 
Can you explain that a little bit more, like the anti-dumping and countervailing, what exactly that means? Cases were brought uh, against these two countries that were dumping product at below market or below even cost of production. Uh, in other words, they were pushing product into the, into the export stream uh, that were at below their cost and uh, putting it into various markets in the U.S. being one of them at these very low costs. And what ended up happening is we had onshore manufacturers or miners, in this case, of these products um, in terms of phosphate fertilizers. They brought suits against uh, these two countries. And um, those suits went through the uh, bureaucratic process and were proven. So what we're, what we're seeing now is that uh, we have these, what amounts to tariffs, you know, these tariffs on phosphate fertilizers from Russia and Morocco, and likely going to see the same for uh, UAN, um, you know, liquid nitrogen products from Russia and Trinidad and Tobago. So given this really complex situation that we're in, you know, what sorts of things would need to happen, in your opinion, to you know, bring things back to normal right now? Well, um, I think the whole supply chain issue globally on most products, we just have to uh, work our way through it. That sounds like a really, not a real an answer, but uh, we, we just have to see more labor coming back to the, to the market, you know, that, that will help. Certainly uh, we have to continue to work through bottlenecks in shipping. And uh, that's something that will take time. The one thing that will sort out a little bit of demand on the demand side, especially of uh, for fertilizer is these high fertilizer prices, <laughs> you know, where we're going to see less demand for it. So that will lessen the, uh, the pressure on the supply chain globally. And uh, we should see a little bit better flow and maybe even some stabilizing of prices, hopefully. Um, time will tell on that. So considering all of this, what are commodity budgets looking like for 22? As we look at kind of everything together and we look at our, our variable costs for each of our primary crops, and uh, so we're looking at our cash costs, if you will. We're plugging in at least 22% higher for corn costs, 21% higher for soybeans, 30% higher for wheat. And these percentages continue to move up. And uh, we're going to have to be actually revising these numbers even this week as we look at new fertilizer numbers coming out. Because these fertilizer prices, in particular nitrogen, uh, this is a difficult one to pin down, but it's moved rather quickly, even in the last two or three weeks. And, you know, we're sitting about the end of October right now. So the month of October has been, um, been concerning when it comes to nitrogen prices and, of course, availability and all these things. So big jumps in terms of variable costs. And as far as profitability, the numbers... Actually, even with some of the costs that we have plugged in now, they don't look terrible. You know, they don't look as good as what 21 was. 21 for us is going to end up being very good with high crop prices and relatively low input costs. You know, probably when we were finalizing our input purchases this spring, most farmers weren't thinking that way. Uh, they were probably saying, well, these costs are 
higher than they were last year, but 22 will be even worse. But $5 corn is about where we can peg things for this next fall. Right now, you know, we can we can lock in some $5 delivery for this next fall. That's a pretty still a pretty good price. Returns above variable costs. And uh, we're going to be somewhere around $300, $350 an acre for corn. Soybeans, even better. It's going to be uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of $350 to $400 an acre, uh, even with these higher fertilizer costs that we're, we're factoring in. And, and wheat, uh, probably, you know, this can look a little bit better, but we're plugging in $7 plus wheat. I, I forgot to mention soybeans, $12 plus soybeans. But wheat uh, around uh, 250 to 275 per acre in terms of returns above variable costs. That doesn't include any consideration for overhead or fixed costs. So that still needs to be factored in, of course. But and wheat can look better with straw and double crop return as well. So the, these, it's not a, a dire picture right now, you know, as we look at the input cost side. But we're seeing. Real, real concerns with crop protection chemical costs and fertilizer costs, and both of those continuing to move, ha- move higher, and also concerns about availability into the spring. So those, those are the two, I think, pressure points as I see it. So when you're talking about variable costs, um, that does not include land, correct? So That's correct. So even if you consider land rent, I know some of you have really high land rent, you might be looking at pretty close to breaking even, which happens every once in a while. So That's it's right. not, I mean, but it doesn't sound like there's drastic losses that are going to occur, at least at the price points we're at right now. Right. And, and just uh, full disclosure, you know, the numbers that we've been plugging in our fertilizer are around uh, 850 a ton for anhydrous ammonia, 850 for MAP, and 700 for potash. And we know that we have to update that nitrogen price here very soon because those numbers continue to trend higher. And uh, our crop protection costs, those, those are a moving target as well. So I guess in the near term, at least, I expect these numbers that I'm quoting to go a little bit lower in terms of our margin look, outlook. Who knows? What's, there's a lot of uncertainty as we move further into the fall and into the winter, uh, whether or not we see these issues get worse or get a little bit better. And, and there's so many variables, it's really difficult to tell at this point. But farmers really need to, I think, plan for different different uh, prospects. Yeah, that's interesting. We've been talking a lot about price, but you mentioned availability is also something that, you know, we should be keeping an eye on. You know, what suggestions do you have for strategies for our farmers to help manage their risk through this uncertain time? Well, on the fertilizer side, there's, there's some things that uh, go back to the basics, right? I mean, we, we go and we, first of all, make sure that we have good soil tests and hopefully uh, growers will, invest maybe even in some grid tests or, or uh, some, you know, zone testing to make sure what they need, especially on the P and K side, um, making sure that we have a good understanding of our agronomic needs. The other thing is alternatives, uh, making sure that we know and we have kind of different uh, options available, whether it's different options for from many different retailers as far as uh, supply possibilities, um, 
organic fertilizers, certainly, if we're talking specifically about fertilizers, uh, animal manures, um, sewage sludges, all these different products that might be a possibility for, uh, for an alternative. Um, another thing is uh, storage. You know, we talked about this for years, fertilizer storage and making sure that uh, we have the product on the farm because we've heard stories and you guys have heard these, I know, of concerns about whether or not there will even be product to move. And if, if we don't have, especially nitrogen fertilizer products uh, as, as a possibility in our rural communities, then corn crop is essentially out of the equation. I mean, we, we can raise um, crops without a lot of supplemental P and K because soil profile is gonna have some, right? But nitrogen, that's going to be the real, real concern, I think, going into the spring. And that's one thing I was thinking about when we look at, you know, the tri-state fertilizer recommendations. There is a little bit of um, leeway in there, even if you're under that critical soil test value. So you may leave some yield out there if you're not above that critical level, but if you're able to put on crop removal in those situations, you know, or reducing that a little bit, I think that's where you put uh, numbers in your budget and see, okay, I may potentially lose yield here, but overall, does it make the bottom line look better? Yeah. I mean, in, in some cases, they, they may be forced into, I mean, if there's also supply available or yeah, availability issues for P&K products, you know, we haven't heard too many of those worries yet, but those prices are moving higher as well. Not as fast probably as nitrogen costs, but well, they'll, they'll have to make that decision. And again, that's a good plug to make sure that they are budgeting, <laughs> making sure yeah. that uh, we're laying out all of our costs and not only that, but making sure that we're doing it by crop because we may have a situation where one crop really starts to look more attractive than another. Uh, based on your own farm's budget numbers. So while you may not uh, switch uh, crop, you know, wholesale, you know, you may not go to just a single crop, you may at least uh, tweak your acreage a little bit to, uh, to make one a little bit more of a more acreage on your farm of a particular crop. I just want to touch on this briefly. We talked about smaller, medium-sized farms potentially struggling with this more if you don't have on-farm storage. So seeing what options might be available there. If the larger farms are purchasing less fertilizer, do they have room? Maybe you could pay them to store some of your fertilizer or even crop protection products. I don't know, just creative options that Elizabeth, you said earlier, we just need to be thinking about this now um, so we can have a plan in place, even if that plan is a moving target. So Barry, we did see an uptick in net farm income in 20. You mentioned 21 is probably going to come in pretty strong. How far does that go in alleviating what we're seeing with these higher costs? Well, I guess... That's maybe the one good thing. Well, there, I'm sure there are more than one good thing, but that's one of the good things that uh, farmers at least have as we face 2022. We, we have had a couple of pretty good years. And for some, we can all, we almost go back three years. But what's driven, what drove 2020 
income and profitability uh, was a lot of ad hoc government program payments, you know, also some just margin profitability. 21 is going to be kind of the opposite of that, if you want to think of it that way, because most of the profitability, most of the income, net income is going to be driven by just strictly crop income and not really looking at any government payments. We've had very little to none, depending on how some of those CFAP payments spilled over into 21 for some growers. But it's, 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 it's a different scenario, but the result was pretty much the same. 20 and 21 were, were pretty good uh, when we look at crop producers. Livestock producers, it was more of a mixed bag, but we're looking at crop producers. They should have pretty decent working capital going into 2022. Uh, they should have uh, improved their equity position and uh, just have more cash on hand. So uh, this is a situation where they're probably going to need it, you know, to uh, pay for some of these higher input costs and uh, to negotiate what probably will be uh, some higher cash rents in certain situations. Although, you know, it's one of those things where we've talked about it in a number of meetings this summer and into the fall. I have real worry, I guess, real concern, because we have this kind of short-term, I think it's a short-term blip in price and profitability where we're going to see it in 2022. We're going to see that profitability uh, squeezed quite a bit. And we're going to perhaps be locked into higher land rents as a result of this. So I would caution both parties, uh, landlords and farmers, as they renegotiate to to have this understanding that uh, we're not going to put farmers in a situation where they have uh, rents that aren't equitable and aren't sustainable going forward, possibly looking at uh, bonus payments on a one or two year period rather than a fixed increase in cash rents. Now, this may be easier said than done as some landlords will push for higher rents. And in some cases, they they may have a need for a market adjustment, but that's a whole nother discussion, the whole land rent thing. And it's, I know it's going to be an area of concern for some producers. Well, hopefully we can get you on a future episode to talk about that in some more detail. Yeah, more, more good news, more higher costs. <laughs> well, your team puts out a lot of great resources like Farm Office Live and your budgets that farmers can use to um, just do their own budgeting and check out these numbers themselves. Where can they find those resources? Yeah, thanks for asking. That's, uh, uh, yeah, our farm office page. You know, this includes uh, resources from our farm office team, which uh, a lot of excellent legal information from Peggy Hall, and also uh, a lot of great information on uh, uh, from Diane Shoemaker. That's information that uh, we're going to get into farm profitability, and we're going to look at all of the different uh, data that is generated from Ohio farmers through the FinPAC program in Ohio. All of our budgets, uh, all of our tax education information, as well as our uh, survey data on land rents and cash rents throughout Ohio. So there's a lot of resources. So thanks for bringing that up. But the, uh, the farm office website, it's pretty easy to find. It's farmoffice.osu.edu. And you can... Uh, find all of our contact information there as well. And we also offer farm office live sessions, two webinars each month throughout the fall and the winter, talking about economics and law related issues. So uh, we 
we'd certainly welcome you all to join us for those free webinars. All right. Thanks, Barry. And we'll be looking forward to more information from you as all of this develops. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks, Elizabeth. It's been, been my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode. Hey, podcast listeners. Just a reminder to give us a like or subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave us a review also. We appreciate the comments.